Hey everybody, thanks for joining us on the Wide Blue Line. I am Brian. And I'm Tom. And we're just two ordinary citizens who are tired of listening to the polarized narratives being offered about policing in America. So we decided it was time to get the real story of what it's like to serve and protect. We see the news stories. We hear the sound bites. But few of us know what it's really like to serve behind the badge. Welcome to the Wide Blue Line a podcast where we tell the real-life stories of the men and women of the Central Point Police Department as they strive to serve and protect their community and remain open, transparent, and inclusive in an ever-changing world. My daughter was 17 months old at the time, Whoa. and so that was um, a, big, um, a big decision. My biggest hurdle was leaving my son no, for, yeah. for that long. I, I think a lot of officers didn't really understand what it was and why we were doing it. Bangladesh had its first larger scale terrorist attack uh, a few years prior to us going and what the police department realized is that they didn't have they didn't have a, a relationship with the community and what they needed to work on was how to establish that relationship. The concept of community policing, reaching out to your community, being a part of your community, building partnerships with people is completely foreign. Mm. Here that's that's not what we practice and, and probably in our department we do practice and support community policing. Welcome back to another episode of the Wide Blue Line. Last time we met Chief Allison, we learned a little bit about what this police department is all about, um, what the vision is moving forward, and, and why they are different and special in the world of law enforcement. Today we're going to be talking about something really exciting, and uh, we're going to introduce you to two people that are going to tell us more about it. So today we have the privilege of sitting with Heather Ashwill and Brian Munoz, and both of these individuals were a part of this program and are here today to share a little bit about the experience. And we're hoping you guys can introduce yourself. Um, we, we like to start with name, rank, years of service, and if you guys could just tell us who you are, that'd be great. So my name's Heather Ashwell. At the time I traveled to Bangladesh, I'd been an officer for about four years um, with the police department and a patrol officer there. I'm Brian Munoz, I'm currently assigned as a canine handler for the city of Central Point. Um, I've been here for about nine years now. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you guys for being here today. The whole point of this episode is to hear about this really pretty unique um, opportunity that you don't know that things like this exist. And so, we're, you know, on paper, it sounds really official. It sounds really formal, but we're hoping um, you guys can first Tell us in, in, in like real life terms what this program really is and what the purpose of it was. So Heather, when did you first hear about this program? So when I first heard about the program was during sort of a, a briefing where um, a group of people that represents um, the State Department in Bangladesh and uh, Randy Butler, who's the CEO of Learn International, came and did a presentation for our chief and our admin and our officers to share with us some of the opportunities that would be available uh, traveling to Bangladesh and being part of this program. What about, did you hear about it at the same time? Or? Yeah, we heard about it in the same briefing. Okay, and so so they come, they, they pitch this idea, and, and this is not um, just, hey, it's a weekend conference in Salem. We're talking Bangladesh, right? And we're not talking a weekend. How long were you guys there? <laughs> About a month. About a month. And that's so uh, we're talking an extended uh, commitment to something. And so how did you guys make a decision that, yeah, this is something I think I'm interested in? Uh, for me, I, I really enjoy traveling. Um, prior to being a police officer, I was in the Marine Corps. So I got to, you know, I deployed to Kuwait, Iraq. Um, 
after getting out, I got into contracting world and I ended up living um, from 2010 to 2011 in Kuwait. Um, and, you know, that was a great experience. I got to visit, you know, Bahrain, London, Dubai. Oh, wow. So once this opportunity presented itself, you know, I, I learned what it was about and it sparked my interest. Cool. What about you? Well, when I first heard that there was an opportunity to travel to Bangladesh, I initially thought, when am I ever going to have the opportunity to travel to Bangladesh? It was honestly never on like my bucket list to travel for vacation. It's not on Costco travels list, right? Yeah. Right. And I part of part of my um, part of my professional goals was always to be a trainer. I love training and teaching, and so just the opportunity to expand my my base there and be able to train internationally was a great. Uh, a great benefit for me. Awesome. Did you guys have any apprehension about this program? I mean, travel is exciting, but it's far away, and it would rip you out of Southern Oregon, obviously, for a period of time. And who knows? I mean, I don't know it, how your other officers might have felt about it, how your families may have felt about it. What are some of the apprehensions that you guys had to work through? Uh, personally, me, um, my biggest hurdle was leaving my son oh, for, yeah. for that long. Um, you know, at the time I only had one boy and I have two now. And so it was just, I've never been away from him for that long. So, yeah. um, but fortunately we were able to FaceTime. I, I talked to him every other day or so, um, go out souvenir shopping for him and show him what I got. So you know. that's the important work you do over there for your kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, you don't stop being daddy no matter where you go. Yeah. And for me, it was, it was same. It was family. My daughter was 17 months old oh. at the time. Whoa. And so, that was um, a big, um, a big decision for sure. my husband and I to make that I would be leaving for that period of time. But he was very supportive, and a lot of people weren't so supportive um, of uh, a new mom like leaving her child and traveling. But it was really important to me for for the for the work that I was doing. Awesome, exciting. What about with it within the so they you know someone comes and he he pitches to you guys and your fellow officers. Here's this idea. And it's a grand idea. It's a big thing. Um, you two said, okay, I think maybe this is something I want to do. Was that kind of, did everyone think that? Or was it, were you guys kind of the outliers? Like, yeah, we'll go to Bangladesh. How was that received? Um, I think a lot of officers didn't really understand what it was and why we were doing it. So there's a lot of questions regarding that. Um, they didn't see the benefit of okay. it. Okay, that makes uh, sense. Yeah. And maybe you can't see the benefit until you go. I don't know. Yeah. You'll tell us a little bit more about that. But did you feel the same way about that? Yeah. When they, at the end of the briefing, they basically asked, hey, is there anybody in here that would be interested? And, you know, raise your hand. And my hand shot up. And I was really <laughs> excited. And I kind of looked around and there weren't very many other hands going up. In fact, people were kind of giving me the side eye like, what? And so it was... Um, you know, I, I felt like I was kind of an outlier, but I think there were some other people that were interested, but Brian and I were ultimately the, the two that got to go. Awesome. Okay. So you were the only two that represented the Central Point Police Department? Yeah, there were others set up to go, then COVID hit and kind oh. of stopped everything. Yeah, that, the great equalizer of COVID that yeah. messed up everything. Did you but, guys go during COVID? Just prior to COVID. Just prior. Yeah. Just right before it started. Interesting. Well, so you have these personal apprehensions, very understandable, family, commitment, time away. Um, you have not necessarily tension, but like not everyone quite understands what's happening, um, what the benefit of that is. But I'm assuming that once you went, those challenges, those tensions, those apprehensions transformed into 
pretty transformative opportunities. Um, you were doing something that's pretty incredible that not a lot of people can say they've done. Um, I'm hoping you guys could share with us um, some a little bit about what was the experience like once you got there. So, so if you have any specific questions as we start talking about, like, we're going to go to Bangladesh, we're going to train fellow police officers, fellow law mm -hmm. enforcement. That sounds good in theory, but what does that look like? How are their cultural differences? What does that look like when you're when your boots are on the ground? You know? Yeah, great question. I, I will get more specific with you if we miss anything. But I have a feeling as you guys are telling the story, you're going to just unfold everything I want to know. But yeah, so tell how, how did it go? Like you you get off the plane? Are are you welcomed? Is there a warm reception? Are you are instantly looked at as uh, you know an expert? Uh, how did how did that work out? Uh, I think, you know, as soon as you, for me at least, as soon as I stepped off the plane, you definitely realize you're in a, like a third world country. Right. You know, we're picked up in a up armor uh, SUV. It's got the bulletproof doors, bulletproof glass. Um, and yeah, obviously as an American, you stand out. People are looking at you and right. just with curiosity, you know, not um, nothing negative. And so people want to come up and talk to you, ask what you're doing out there. And I brought a lot of police patches with me. Um, so, you know, through security check-ins and all that, you you know, that's your first contact with the law enforcement right. out there. So traded a couple patches and, you know, stuff like that. Cool. Was your experience different as a as a female in, in, in a Muslim country or? So I was stopped at immigration. I didn't give any of the security or the police, the range officers there. I didn't give them any patches. I took a lot of patches with me, but maybe that's why I got stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually worried that they were going to deny me um, entry into the country. Um but basically what happened was, so yeah, we flew, I flew from San Francisco to Singapore and, you know, Singapore, the airport there is just so grand and beautiful. Amazing. Really? Like Amazing. butterfly gardens, orchid gardens. Like it was the most. In the airport? Yeah. Yes. Wow. Like they have a waterfall. There's I mean, a, yeah, you take a tram just to what? different terminals and there is just this beautiful waterfall in the middle of it. It's pretty That's cool. crazy. A little bigger than Medford's airport. Slightly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was so clean. Everything was so clean. You could probably eat off the bathroom floor in there. I mean, it was just, it was completely staffed with people just shining. The walls were mirrored. It was the most beautiful. So it was the most beautiful airport bathroom I'd ever been in. In fact, I was thinking about moving in. So <laughs> when I flew from Singapore into Dhaka and I got off the plane, the first thing I needed to do was use the bathroom. And I knew I was uh, not in Kansas anymore okay. um, because as soon as I walk in, there's just, it's a hole in the floor. Uh, and yeah. so there's no, and there's no, it, it was just completely different. And in fact, a few little girls were standing there laughing at me because they knew that it was probably the first time right. I'd seen that. <laughs> So I definitely was... warned you prior to going that that's what your bathroom experience would be like. <laughs> yeah. It's one did. of those warnings that you don't really understand it till you see it though, exactly. right? right. Yeah, you yeah. can tell me all you want that there's right. going to be a hole in the ground, but until I see it, I don't realize what that means. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. So welcome. And how did it go from there? <laughs> uh, so I went through and um, I went through customs and gave them all my paperwork and my passport was, you know, stamped and everything. I went through and then I was walking through the gates to... Uh, leave customs and to be officially in Bangladesh and I was stopped by a few range officers that were they didn't speak English and so they were obviously demanding my papers they had rifles you know and so I uh, gave them my paperwork and they were arguing with each other and kind of being short with me and I didn't really understand what they wanted and they kind of held me up for a few minutes and I was just trying to let them know I'm just trying to get across the gate 
and a supervisor came over and I was starting to get worried that I was being detained, that I was oh, wow. going to be detained at this point for some reason. I just got here. <laughs> and um, so a supervisor ended up coming over and looked at my paperwork. I'd given him my, my letter that's from the embassy saying I'm there as a representative of the United States. Um, there with the um, State Department, he looked at that letter, you know, basically pushed the other two aside and said, in English, he said, welcome to Bangladesh and gave me my papers and left. So I was really thankful that I had that letter yes. because I felt like otherwise it might have been a different outcome. Wow. So let's talk about that letter real quick. That letter is actually representing the the jargon that I read earlier. So can, in your own words, can you describe what this program is at the state level and kind of who's sponsoring it, how it actually works and how it got its fingers down into local law enforcement? what the expectations of you guys were. Yeah, and then we'll jump into kind of the work you did in Bangladesh. Um, well, so the reason why this started, um, Bangladesh had its first larger scale terrorist attack uh, a few years prior to us going. Mm -hmm. And what the police department realized is that they didn't have, they didn't have a, a relationship with the community. And what they needed to work on was how to establish that relationship. Oh, wow. Because they had no information about, you know, who the terrorists were. Um, community policing was, was a foreign concept to them. Um, and so that's ultimately what we were out there doing is teaching them how to, how to work with the community. That's amazing, actually. Oh. And so is, are you teaching in – are you going to their – I don't know. Do they have stations? Are you or are you teaching at a school setting? How how did that look? So their police stations are called tanas. Um, that's just the word for police station in in Bangla. And so we, when we were in Dhaka, we taught at the detectives school. It was mm -hmm. like a detectives academy. And so my first class there was a week long class that I taught to a group of higher level admin and detectives that went through a week long training with myself. Um, and then after we left Dhaka, we went into to Chittagong, and I taught at some at some tanas there. Did you guys have to develop your own curriculum, or were you supplied with that? So actually, prior to us going, we um, we flew up to Portland, and we took a course on what we're actually going to be teaching. Okay. And uh, do you remember the instructor's name for that? Randy. Yeah. Randy Butler. Yeah. And then there's also, I think of Brian, Gail Clark. Or Gail Clark. Yeah. So we, we met with them over in, in the Portland area for about three or four days. We went over our material, what we're going to be teaching. And then um, from there, we left to San Francisco, Singapore, and then to Bangladesh. Gotcha. And so how did your first class go? It was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, we, uh, we had to have interpreters. Um, and so there was a little bit of apprehension from some of the officers, like, why are there Americans coming over here to teach us? Mm -hmm. Kind of like, um, what do they know about our, our, you know, lifestyle out here? And so we acknowledged that right off the bat. And, and we let them know that we're here to learn from each other. And we're going to share some ideas of what we do um, and, and explain it to you guys on, on stuff that you can start implementing right off the bat just to get that relationship with the community. Awesome. And so, um, how long was your first class? Was it a week also? Uh, so you have, God, I'm trying to think. I think we went through about five or six different classes. There are about 15 to 20 officers. Um, and then you had, you had one class every two days or so. Does that sound right? 
yours was a little different than mine. Mm. So, because mine was like a four to five day class. It, I only had four four classes and they were a week long. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah ours were a little different. bit different. Got um, it. So what, what about the, that initial, I mean, that makes sense to me. You, you like, I'm doing my job. That'd be like us here. We're doing our job in the United States. Why is someone from another culture coming to teach me? There, I, would, I could see why there'd be a little bit of, you know, standoffishness or like, you know, just questioning around it. Did that go away, do you think? Or was it quick? Did you have to earn the respect? Like, how did that work out? Yeah, so, I mean, it was, the, and I think the, the reason why um, they bring people from the U.S. Um, to these countries is because we largely practice community policing here. Okay, interesting. And so that's not something that is practiced in these developing nations. Um, so the concept of community policing, reaching out to your community, being a part of your community, building partnerships with people is completely foreign. Wow. So that's not something that they do. It's the, we are the police um, over there. It's, we are the police and you are the people and we tell you what to do. And here mm. that's, that's not what we practice. And, and proudly in our department, we do practice and support community policing. And that's, I think a big reason why they wanted to come. Oh, that makes, that's really interesting. Our department. One, one interesting thing on top of that is that I learned, um, each state is responsible for different areas. I think Oregon is responsible for Bangladesh and was it Nepal, I believe? At the time, they were rotating. Yeah. So at that at that time when we went. So if you're a police officer in California, you got opportunities in other countries. It's kind of like partnerships yeah. type of situation. Oh, that's really cool. So so you get in there, there's this there's a there's a cultural gap, there's a language barrier, there's different things. Like how did you guys break those down? Was it through just time? Was it through relationship? Like how did how did you get through those challenges? So we uh, we get there and you're introduced to your interpreters. Um, they're they're pretty cool guys. These two guys, uh, Naveel. Yeah, the same yeah. Naveel and Tanvir. Yeah, they're awesome guys. And so uh, they had worked with law enforcement officers from I think Detroit prior, so they had some experience. Um, you know and. I think in the beginning of every class, we kind of just threw it out there like, hey, what what perceptions do you have of Americans? Oh. Good or bad, go ahead and tell us. You're not going to offend us. Like, what do you guys think? And a lot of them kind of came to the same conclusion that like, yeah, <laughs> basically that we put our nose in places. And uh, so we, we explained why we were there. You know? uh -huh. And they really understood because um, their terrorist attack was a big thing in their country because right. they hadn't had anything like that. And they knew that you know, obviously 9-11 and some of the experiences that police officers have, um, there there could be some ideas, you know, uh, that were shared. So it was just a respect thing eventually. You, mm -hmm. They worked through that. Cool. Did you ever find it uh, prohibitive for them to learn from you coming from a smaller city? I mean, Bangladesh is pretty populated, right? And we're in Central Point, Oregon. It's not <laughs> densely yeah. populated. Was it difficult for them to hear the benefits of community policing from you as opposed to somebody from Detroit, as an example, or did that matter? Well, I, I don't know for you, but I went with a detective from Multnomah County. Um, so we, during our presentations, there was stuff he was able to, to explain to them that I couldn't because mm. uh, all the riots up in Portland, he had videos of working with them um, and was able to show it to all of them. Uh, mm -hmm. So he had, you know, on a larger scale of things, um, which was just really helpful because he got to show what he does. 
Um, and then also kind of what works to our advantage is we are a smaller department right. and we know our community pretty well over here. Right. And we're able to, you know, to get those roots in and, mm -hmm. and when people feel comfortable coming up to us and actually talking with us. Which is a foreign concept, it sounds like, over there. Yeah. Awesome. What yeah. about you? Did you have the same challenge as far as it goes from here? She's from a small town. So I think a, a big a big challenge is is largely in the difference between that he's male and I'm female. Mm -hmm. And so it's a Muslim-majority country, and I am a white, blonde, American woman who's also a police officer. And so my reception was a little colder. Um but after time, I did, I did start to gain their respect. Um, I took a lot of time understanding their culture and really getting to know the history of their country and visited some of their museums. Actually, I, I, I asked officers and asked people, take me places, take me to museums, talk to me about your history. And that really made a huge impact. And so one day class actually was very late getting back because I took the lunch period and I said, can you please take me to this police um, war museum? And so several of the detectives took me over there, gave me a tour, and I got to learn about their liberation war, which they're a recently liberated country. They were liberated from Pakistan in 1979. Um, and so they're very proud of that history. And they, they fought with just the people and what the tools they had to gain their independence from Pakistan because they wanted to have their own culture and be free, um, which is amazing. So I got to learn a great deal about their history and their culture. And that's a very, um, it's a big point of pride for them. And so when I showed them how moved I was um, by this, um, they, I said, oh, we're going to be late coming back to class one day. And they said, no, we're stopping class because we want you to continue seeing this. Oh, wow. And when we came back to class, we were like 40 minutes late coming back to class. And the detectives explained to everybody where we had been. And they were they were all like, nope, you're good. We're happy. Oh, wow. We're happy. Wow. And then they were all just kind of floored by that. And so I think that that was a big moment for me when I, I think that was like maybe my second day in um, that they treated me a lot different after that. Interesting. Wow. The power of community within the classroom even, you know, that you took time to be empathetic to the people you're working with made the humongous difference for you. Wow, that's awesome. That's exciting. Um, well, how long were you guys there doing this work? Uh, I, I think around three weeks to a month. Okay. So you guys just cycle through classes of officers coming through to go over what community policing was and how it can be practiced maybe? Yeah, so our curriculum was a little bit different. I, I think um, what we would do is we would do a full day of class and then we'd do like a hands-on. And so for our hands-on portion, once we started you know, talking with them about how to talk to people, just I, it was a truly foreign concept for them just to go up to a business vendor and talk to them. Hey, really? what's going on? Wow. What's what's going on in the community? You know, so that's what we would practice. We would literally take classes. We'd walk down the street and people would just be looking at us like, what, what are the cops doing? Right. You know, and get all nervous because there's 15, 20 cops and coming up to a vendor. So now the community is kind of like, hey, what, what's going on? You know, and it's and, and you just basically talk to them. Hey, this is the reason why we're out there. Uh, this is what we're doing. We want to know what's going on in your community. Then they actually start opening up. Well, hey, yeah. Um, you know, they'll, they'll talk about uh, this person stealing or we think this is a these people are using drugs. Um, one really cool thing that I got invited to is something that we have here in the United States is we have city council meetings. Mm -hmm. So if you're 
a small business owner, if you're a member of the community, you come to our community, you know, our city council meetings and you voice your opinion of what's mm -hmm. going on or any concerns. They have something like that as well, but it's hundreds of people that come there. So uh, they had it set up and um, we were sitting there. We were the guests for that. And, and I mean, there were hundreds of people there. It was pretty cool. And basically you go sit, if you're a member of the community, you go sit in this box and it's got like a microphone and you explain what's going on. It, it could be a, a simple civil dispute like, hey, my neighbor is taking my, you know, uh, my farm equipment or something like that. And then they try to work it out right then and there. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Did it get crazy? Is it like an American school board meeting? I don't think the, um, wrong. Um, it it got pretty loud and people would definitely argue at times, but um, it, it would it would eventually calm down. Now, were the police involved in these settling of disputes at the city council meeting or was it just the community doing it? It, it was the police. They were involved as far as um, they were coordinating everything and trying to work with the people to, to get it taken care of because over there it's, it's really, you know, we all have an idea of what police officers do in the United States, but over there, if you call the police and you live out in the boonies, it's not uncommon for the cops to go there and ask you for gas money because they're paying out of pocket to oh, drive wow. out there. So wow. it's not I mean, like we're talking completely different. It, it is I mean, very, very different. Wow. Wow. But in a sense, there was a piece of community policing that they probably didn't know they were doing in that they were doing these community um, get togethers mm -hmm. and solving of disputes. It's just maybe once a month or something like right. that. Yeah. This is uh I know the audience can't see a picture, but this is actually what it what it looked like. That's a large that, group. Yeah, it's a very wow. Very it looks large like you're group. on tour somewhere. It, <laughs> you know, and then they had us sitting, like I mean, they they decked this place out for us with with flowers just to welcome us. Like, and, wow, that's beautiful. And all, it was it was weird, a but it was, it was a cool experience. Yeah, I'm a guest yeah. of honor. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's great. Amazing. That's something you can build on too. I'm assuming as you guys see stuff like this, you're like, oh, they do have connection to their community. Just only in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. We talked about some of the challenges, which I don't think we've probably touched, you know, just the tip of the iceberg there. But what were some of the highlights? Like, what were some of the, like, as you're going through this and, like, were there moments, or maybe there weren't, were there moments where you're like, oh, that was a valuable moment? That was, whether it was imparting something to them or maybe you were gaining something from it. What were some highlights you can remember? One off the top of my head, a kind of a cool moment that I had was I was um, being driven around. Um, it was in Chittagong, and which is a very, again, very densely populated area. And if you've ever traveled to Southeast Asia or know what it's like to cross the street um, in one of those countries, it's you know like <laughs> it's dangerous. It's, it's like Frogger it's, playing yeah. Frogger. To say it, it's exactly, and um, so if you don't know how to play the game, you shouldn't play it. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's to say it's dangerous is, is a bit of an understatement. Um, there's rickshaws and vehicles and, and motorbikes just everywhere. There doesn't really there is a, a way that their traffic flows and it makes sense to them. But as someone who we have traffic laws here that are completely different from from how right. they travel and drive, it looks like it makes no sense to me. But there is a, a method to the madness over there. But um, I was driving in traffic and suddenly I saw ahead there was a, there was a blind man on the corner, um, a citizen, and he was clearly trying to cross the road. And I saw a police officer um, actually stop 
the whole line of the whole street. So, and he helped this blind gentleman across. And that is something that I had not seen there yet. I hadn't seen officers doing that. Right. And so, because a lot of the officers, some of the feedback that I'd gotten in classes was that, you know, we don't help individual people and we don't, we don't do that because it's kind of, we don't have the time to help every single person. Hmm. But I saw this one officer reach out and help this blind person across the road. And I was so moved by that. And so the next day I went to class and I talked about it and I said, I know that you guys are doing these things because I saw it yesterday. Wow. And it was so powerful to me to see this one officer take the time and see someone in need and stop an entire street of traffic to get this person across. And that is what it is. That is community policing. I know that you guys are already doing it. You're just not calling it that. Oh, That's exciting. Awesome. Wow. And that wasn't because you had a class on how to reach out to the community, look for blind people that are trying to cross the street. This was just something that happened organically that you happened to catch. Yes. That's great. Yeah. That's fantastic. I was, just, I was like traveling to a store or something. I was being driven to a restaurant or, or somewhere going back to the hotel at the end of the day. I can't recall where I was going, but I was outside of the classroom and, and just witnessed that, which was, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It gave you a tangible example of an object lesson you could use mm -hmm. in what you're teaching. You got any highlights you can think of? Well, mine wasn't as moving as that. <laughs> but, you know, um, That's it, okay. It was nice to see it click in their head and, and actually go out and talk with people when it was such a foreign concept to them. Um, you know, I, I pulled up another picture of just this is the hands-on uh, that we did where they actually go out there and, and talk to members. And there were some people that were, you know, naturals at it, had no problem talking with people from the community. And there were other officers that we had to like push from the back of the crowd, right. like go up and go talk to people, you know, and it's like beads of sweat just coming out of his, out of his head, you know, cause he's so nervous. It's like, Hey, this is, this is your guys's job. Wow. You know, you, you work, ultimately you work for the people to help them. And you, you, it's important that you establish these relationships with them. That's amazing. Wow. So cool. I mean, it's literally a paradigm shift for a culture. For sure. Um, and who, uh, you know, just planting the, the, the seeds of that even. Mm -hmm. um, just, I mean, just a, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, what kind of massive sea change could come from something like that. So that's, those are awesome stories. Yeah. So they were learning some of these um, examples of how to interact with the community. Were they getting the bigger picture? Like, what is the benefit of community policing in general? So the course that we were teaching, and granted, we taught, I think, some slightly different variations of the same curriculum, but the curriculum that we're teaching there is uh, countering violent extremism. And so we're doing that through a community policing lens. So essentially, um, like, day one would start, and in my curriculum would start learning the history of radicalization and how the process of radicalization in an individual, how that it can how that can impact communities and families, and how you can spot someone being radicalized within your community. Oh, wow. And so that was a big piece of that is officers being able to reach out to their communities specifically to identify individuals or groups of people that were being radicalized. And Part of the big issue with Bangladesh is, yes, in 2016, they had the Holy Bakery bombing, or not bombing, excuse me, attack. So the Holy Bakery is like a very famous bakery in downtown Dhaka, um, which is frequented by um, not so much locals, but a lot of uh, uh, Americans and tourists, people that are there traveling from out of state. So that bakery was targeted and about 20, I think 20 or 22 people were killed. Police officers were killed. It was, it was a big incident, um, hostage situation there. 
Um, and it was orchestrated by um, MJB, which is, um, uh, or J, excuse me, yeah, JMB, which is, uh, I can't say it right. I just pulled it up so that I could say it. Um, Mujahideen al-Bangladesh, Ja'ama al-Mujahideen Bangladesh, which is IS, which is Islamic State. And so that is like a more localized sect of that that operates within Bangladesh. And so they eventually were tried, some of the operators in that group were tried for those crimes. But largely terror attacks don't occur in Bangladesh because they use Bangladesh to recruit people to commit acts of extremism and terror in other countries. Oh, I see. And so the whole purpose of this program is to identify people who are being radicalized because often they're being radicalized to go commit acts of terror in another country. Wow. And so a big part of why this program is in existence is because collectively, if we are putting resources and energy into a spot that we know is a problem, um, then we can, we are collectively safer um, for having done that in our country and in other countries and keeping people safe from that. Oh, wow. Uh, while I was out there, I think I was in uh, Chittagong and in Dhaka, somebody in somebody had left behind a, a roadside bomb that the uh, the locals discovered and then turned it into the police. So, I mean, it, it's definitely out there. And wow. so, bringing this to the wow, this is amazing. Wow, it's a lot different than the perception of how counterterrorism is is um, not attacked but addressed in the media, like. This is really grassroots level work mm -hmm. to stop the problem before it starts, um, to work in an Islamic nation. So it's not an anti-religious uh, sentiment. You're just working on helping them beware of radicalization. radicalization. That was one big thing. We, we needed to make sure they understood we weren't coming in as Americans and right. saying this isn't, right. it's not anti-Islam. It's, not, it's nothing like that. And we used a lot of our homegrown terrorist stuff to to explain to them um, the Timothy McVeigh right. stuff, you know, that, that we use that type of stuff and, you know, not just, you know, just sitting there like harping on any, anything Islamic that would be offensive to them. We were just really trying to show them how to spot people becoming radicalized and mm. how to hopefully, you know, get them on the right course. Do you think that was a new concept to them? Yeah, definitely. Um, we had one officer, he was a high ranking officer and he, was very like, uh, we don't need this, we're fine, blah, blah, blah. He didn't buy into it. And then eventually he just continued taking the courses and he, he moved his way up and now he's like an instructor and he's really reaching out there helping people. So he, they, they're definitely picking it up, what, oh, we're, wow. what we're trying to implement over there. That's exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. So was your group the first group from Central Point Police Department to go? Yes. Uh, I went first and then Heather went. And then we, I think we had like two or three other people that were interested, but like I said, that's when COVID hit. And so it kind of shut everything down. Um, you know, kind of off topic, but still related. I, you know, I brought up the fact that I work narcotics canine mm -hmm. and I was showing them pictures of my dog and, you know, the, some of the bus that we get and all that. And I actually, they reached out to me and said, Hey, do you want to come out here and teach our canine program? Um, they they had a, a group of dogs that they bought that they didn't really think were 
they don't have the same standards that we do uh, yearly testing um right you know certification all that stuff and so they wanted me to go out there and help with that and i was really interested in doing it but then you know covid kind of shut everything down for us wow so are you guys on pause in general for any kind of international travel on yes. behalf of the police department okay is there an end in sight to that, or is that just the, the unknown that nobody yes, has? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the unknown. <laughs> okay. I wish we had an answer for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't we all, right? Well, shoot, if we could wrap that up in this podcast, we'd be, <laughs> we'd be one and done. We'd, <laughs> we'd all be famous. I, yeah. was, I had a question, but I think you, you both answered it in different ways, at least as I hear it. Um, but my question was, do you think your time there and your energy spent and what you taught, do you think it was a success? I, I hear success stories already in some of the other things, but how do you feel about it? Do you think something good came from that? So, yeah, absolutely. I think this, I think it was a success. Um, you know, I think a lot of police officers in general and, you know, sort of how I've gone through is, you know, you, you can't be disgruntled if you don't see immediate um change your success yeah change right. your success instant. because that yeah that instant gratification it's what happens over time and so it's it's your life's work and it's all the work that you do and even if you only impact one person or change one person or help one person it's 100% worth it absolutely and so i personally believe that i know many others do as well and i felt that way about my work there that even if i could help one officer um, learn more and be beneficial in their community who knows how many people they're going to impact and help over yeah. there and i've done my job that's beautiful i love that and you yeah i think it was successful um you definitely there were officers there prior that kind of laid the foundation for us and we just picked up where they left off and you can see that it's it's really it's it's growing the you know the the whole idea of what we're trying to do out there and you know the state department's really involved in that and i think it's going to be a program that continues um whether it's not just you know here local officers but there it, it'll be a, a program that that i can see in the yeah. future how cool that you got to be a part of it well here's the big question and i it's a weird one to ask because i already think i know the answer to this but it would be cool if you guys surprised me what do you think was the most valuable lesson that came from all this for you as an individual the most valuable lesson that you took out of this? Uh, it's, it's the appreciation I think that I have for American law enforcement. Um, oh, tell me more. I love this answer. I, I understand we have our own issues that we're trying to address with, with law enforcement out here, but compared to other countries, we are strides ahead of people. You wow. Know, we, we continuously work to be better out here. Um, we, Community policing is the norm to us, mm -hmm. um, and it just it makes me grateful of how far we have come, and you know where where we could eventually go. Well, that's a great answer. That is a great answer. Give me about, goosebumps. <laughs> and what about you? I think um, it, my answer is really more personal, but it's just that a really it again a, a big appreciation for law enforcement, but it taught me. I think a deeper sense of humility and oh, wow. um, I just am so grateful for what we have in this country and seeing how they live there and seeing just the level of incredible poverty that is happening there. Um, it really changed me and on a pretty deep level. So when I came back, 
uh, changed the way that I view sure. possessions and things and money um, because I realized that there are just truly the have-nots, um, which is makes up a, a large population right. there, and what it means to have housing and insurance and food and a vehicle to drive. And so it made me just a very humble, and I saw that in the way that I interacted with the public even more so um, as a police officer. Wow. Well, then let me ask kind of a wrapping up question here. Um, do you regret the decision to go or would, would was it a, the right decision? Absolutely not. Um, I... It was a wonderful experience. It, it was one of those once in a once in a career experiences, and it's not a normal thing for a police officer to a police officer to experience in their career. So, getting to have that opportunity, and for me, getting to train and teach and get that experience of doing that on an international level, and um, working with interpreters on it was completely different than anything that I ever expected to do was a tremendous experience for me. I loved my experience and I, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Awesome. Um, it's Central Point's a smaller community. We're about 18 to 20,000, you know, and I never thought being a police officer in, yeah. in such a small area, I would get an opportunity to, you know, travel internationally. Um, I definitely think that if there's you know any law enforcement listening to your guys' podcast, it's something they should look into to see what you know what areas they're responsible for and see how they can get involved it was definitely worth it that's great perfect thank you so much i yep. appreciate this yeah thanks for your time today thanks for your service to the community here mm -hmm. thank you on um, what you've done in the past what you're doing now and what you're going to do in the future it means a lot to us we're grateful yeah and thanks for sharing your story